Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. Podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a screenwriter, director and producer. And we are joined today by the screenwriters, the fantastic Beck and Woods. Not only did they write the Hollywood hit A Quiet Place, but they've also written and now directed the fantastic soon-to-be Hollywood hit. I'd be very surprised if it's not because it's fantastic. Haunt! We sit down with them at Fright Fest and have a brilliant natter all about screenwriting. What's that all about? I cannot wait for you lot to hear this. So don't forget this coming Tuesday, September the 3rd, it's the Make Your Film event. Get yourself down. We have our third guest announced. Joining Anthony Woodley, director of The Flood, and Leon Clarence, the producer of Sense8 and the upcoming Blake 7 TV series, we have the brilliant Suzanne White. She is the director of Nanny McPhee Returns. Hollywood, baby! It's going to be an amazing event. If you haven't got your tickets yet, get them quick. And we will see you down there, literally, next Tuesday. September the 3rd, get yourself there and come say hello. And the Make Your Film event is sponsored by Performance Insurance. If you haven't got insurance for your film company yet, get it from Performance. They are brilliant. I've been with them for, what, the whole time I've been making films. And if you have got it, check out Performance. Check them out next time you need to renew. They are brilliant. I cannot recommend them highly enough. And as always and lately, we are collaborating with Screen Craft. So if you're a screenwriter and you're listening to this, and why wouldn't you be because it's got the fantastic Beck and Woods on it, then head to screencraft.org because it is one of the best, if not the best, screenplay contest. And it connects you with the Hollywood execs. And that's what you want for your screenplay. That is so important for you to get your foot in the door, for people to see your work. You want to get involved with Screen Craft. Go to screencraft.org. Get there now. Link is in the show notes. Right, let's get to it. Here is our really fun chat with Brian Woods and Scott Beck and myself and Christian James. What more can I say but enjoy? Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by two legends of the game already in their fledgling career. It is... To be clear, not the game as in prostitution. (laughs) No, to be clear. Just in case anyone is, you know... (laughs) The filmmaking game. Yeah, the filmmaking okay. game. It is Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Hello, boys. Yes, thank Hello. you for having us here. It's a real, absolute, real pleasure. We're going to talk to you massively about uh, Quiet Place and your mm-hmm. brand new film, Haunt, which is fantastic. I saw it at Popcorn Frights, and it's the best thing I saw there, and I loved it. Um, okay, no offence to the other films, because they're amazing too. But, <laughs> but honestly, I thought, fuck me, this is brilliant. Well, thank you. So we'll come back to that. I also have to introduce our... Um, what should I call him? My semi person next to me. My I'm not semi, Giles. The <laughs> not right now. Um, the pers- but we are in a hotel room. We are in a hotel room. <laughs> we are in Brian and Scott's hotel room in London for Fright Fest, where they're having the well, the international premiere mm-hmm. of their film Haunt. But the person sat to my right with a lovely mirror behind him, so I can see his long, luscious blonde locks. <laughs> it's Christian James, everyone. Hi, Giles. You're right. I'm all right. Welcome back Good. to the podcast. You've been off for a little bit. Yeah, I've been moving house. Yeah, been moving house, making and adverts. Make, I made an advert, move, made an advert for a car, I moved house. Yeah. I had to deal with a poorly wife. So That's there's always been tough, drama in the James household, wow. um, but we're on, we're on track now. So good. you're on speaking terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, that's, good. All, and that's all. So house move. Yep. 
TV commercial. Yep. And A&E hospital in the last two and a half weeks, all those things combined, wow. mashed together. Plus, when wife is ill, Mm-mm. you're trying to juggle kids. You oh, know, yeah. I've only got one kid. But so you're juggling one kid. Like someone else's kid. Just throwing him up. Yeah, I'm, and I'm <laughs> passing child onto anyone to take him so I can go to A&E and then back home. Oh, and this is brilliant. Also, yeah. when So uh, new house, new old house, because it's mm. super old. But my wife's in the ambulance and I've packed her a bag and like it's all, all a bit hectic because she's blocking the ambulance, is blocking the new road as well. So I'm like, oh, yeah. the neighbours going to think like, we're junkies or something, this is really bad. <laughs> they think that but anyway. Yeah, anyway, so we get her in the ambulance, that goes off, I've got, right, I'm going to follow the ambulance to the hospital. Yeah. Get everything ready, close windows. You know like in, in your house you have a default, you know where the windows are, you know how to yeah. lock up. So yeah. Don't know any of that because I don't know this house, I've only been in it for one day. Of course, so I don't know, yeah. I don't know where anything is. So I grab the keys, got the bag, leave the house, clunk, close the door walk to the gate and like oh what about the keys to the house I've locked myself up a fucking oh, no. house oh. so then I go to A&E and we're there because it's the NHS and you haven't hours. told her yet you haven't told her oh, yet yeah, right? there's enough going on like, she re- <laughs> she's got this hideous kidney infection she, re- she really needs to know oh so everyone needs to know I've that, locked myself the out of the house you solve this problem so um, <laughs> anyways and then cut long story short I have to go back to the house that night so it's now midnight and break in I'm in a new road and I'm trying to break into our house you know it's just ridiculous yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do it so I had to then WhatsApp a mate Crash at theirs next morning. I went back. I pulled apart the front door and I got my five-year-old. He's got a really small arm, my five-year-old. <laughs> so I got him to break into our house. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. So anyway, onwards. Yeah. Anyway, so that's me. That's, that's you. Anybody, that's yeah. you. So there we go. There we go. There we go. Because you've been at Fright Fest yeah. twice with your films. Two, yeah. Two stalled and fanged up here. Yeah. 2014 and 2018. Oh, 18, yeah, yeah of course. 17, was nice, nice. yeah, maybe. Two years ago. No, 17, yeah. Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah, and I was obviously had the privilege to be installed as a wonderful, wonderful zombie extra. Yeah, yeah, I think I made the film, right? I mean, yeah. So anyway, enough of you. Yeah, okay. um, I <laughs> Why don't, me? We have these <laughs> guys, have these yeah, guys yeah. here. Because we are in Fright Fest for the actual um, international premiere of Haunt, which is amazing. Um, we met at Popcorn Frights, where you had the world premiere of your film, Haunt. How did you guys meet? Can I find out how you guys what happened well we were swimming in the sea right yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, we, we were just on the working be- <laughs> yes. yeah. beautiful shores of florida and just hanging out which was what what's so beautiful about that film festival is just feels like a vacation of sorts where sure you're screening your movie sometimes for the first time you don't know how the audience is going to receive it yep. yeah but you're in a beautiful place in the world so you kind of just have that relaxation resting on your shoulders and you kind of can shed the the stress off in, in yeah. the waters so yeah, yeah I think it's premiere yeah. for both your films it's it? well yeah. premiere for both yeah. our films yeah. Yeah. yeah and how many awards did you win uh, we were like three, but it was. The, the, I mean, the, the important one to note is the one that we lost to you. Yeah, essentially. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that cannot be ignored. So, so, yeah. I'm sure there's a, there's a bit of friction in the room. <laughs> there's 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 a, suddenly, the room's got hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah, I don't I know what to do. It. So yeah, my audience don't know this yet because when I put out Friday's episode with uh, Star Wars editor Colin Gowdy, if you've not listened to that, yeah. please listen to it. It's amazing. He's just so cool. So many with non- Phil Hawkins. Yeah, with Phil Hawkins yeah. as well. It's mm-hmm. just so good. Who these guys? No, you don't know Phil Hawkins, but it's all connected in some weird mm. way um, yeah we won the audience award at Popcorn Fries for the yes. dare congratulations and well deserved yeah, thank yeah. you man I, I was just over the moon it's so nice yeah. isn't it when the audience really like your film it you is no idea like yeah. you said did you, did you go into that screening feeling like pressure and like the unknown of yeah. how are they going to receive it or did you go into that like knowing have you, had you screened it before I guess no. to any audience whatsoever only to people in the nose and that was like okay. my execs yes. and that was yeah. a horrible screening anyway as you, <laughs> as you can imagine as it goes yeah. as 
it yeah. is. And that, also, you'd had it because you had been showing it to like filmmaker pals, but in different forms as well. And then you had to go and reshoot bits. And so yes. quite an ad, quite right. a kind of sort of scattered. Scattered. So this was the first time. In and were the, was that like in like an edit suite? Was that like a small form? Well, small format, or was it like in a projected? No, it's a projected theater because so I shot it at New Boyana in Bulgaria. Yeah. Their studio's right, there, yeah. and they have a big cinema, so oh, they right. played it there. So I was like, oh, it plays That's in amazing. a big cinema, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's like yeah. ten people and execs yeah, yeah. all sitting there on the phones, you know, making yeah, notes. Yeah. Uh oh, yeah. it's only afterwards you realize they were making notes and going, yeah, this is shit making. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sack Giles. Sack Giles yeah. was the big one in, in bold letters. Yeah. Um, so no, it's the first time I'd seen it in front of an audience. Oh, and I had no idea, to be honest, it's the first time I'd seen the movie as a whole with bits of VFX and bits. Of, I'd oh, only wow. seen it in sections. Wow, that's so yeah. scary. So I had no idea if there was going to be a bit of VFX there or a sound bit. Right. Or a, yeah. were, there any, were there any little mistakes that eked their way in there? There was, yeah. yeah. There was, but no one noticed. It wasn't that's, like yeah. a big... Totally. It was just stuff that was missing or, uh, you right. know, uh, nothing was flipped. Nothing was, you know, a VFX missing sure. we digress and we've now we do yeah. we, oh, uh, you, guys, you guys are deflecting this this, I love is, yeah. this, is, this is this is fascinating to yeah. us because like we mm. at least in our experience like it's actually fairly rare that we get to sit down with actual filmmakers like usually it is executives but it's not people that have their hands dirty mm. from making the movie or people that have gone through the high highs and the low lows of what it is to screen your movie in front of an audience for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Because for us, it's it's torture actually, and 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 like the hope is like the dream is you play your movie and it plays so well and you have so much fun watching it. But the reality, at least for us, is just like sitting in the back of the theater, extremely yeah. tense, sweating. Just like anytime anyone coughs, you're like, oh no, our movie's a train wreck. Like they cough, this person's getting up. Why mm -hmm. are they leaving? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's just torture for us. It's torture. So it's it's interesting to hear. You know your there, perspective. There was a guy behind me mm -hmm. eating crisps. No, oh, no. I, I honestly <laughs> want to go punch him. Oh no! And it's one of those things. And he's probably yeah. a lovely person. Yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> I love you. Thanks for watching my film. But fuck me. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. It was like, and he was like over to the right, so I couldn't turn around and go. Can you not fucking do that? Right. But I was so desperate. Cause you know when it's just so rattly. Mm -hmm. I think because oh. you know because you're. <laughs> because you're dialed into what's going on around you and not the film yeah. at all in any yeah. way whatsoever that's yeah. probably it isn't it it's you, yeah, you're, you're so dialed into no one else yeah. no one notices yeah. but right. you but do. I feel that I feel that no matter what movie I'm in like the only time I've turned around and told somebody like just basically like shut the hell up was uh, outdoor screening of David Fincher's Seven and it was like right. this group that had not seen it before it was like an outdoor screening series where usually you watch like Dazed and Confused yeah. or like Shaun of the Dead something fun yeah yeah um, but it's seven, and I'm Seven's like, a weird this one. is yeah. it's a weird one to scream. But I'm also like, if I'm going to see Seven, I need my yeah. solitude. And everybody mm. respected it, except for like this one group <laughs> that they they were just out of their minds. Like in terms of like they they were so drunk already when they showed up. It's and also the, not that kind of film either. It's like, yeah. not <laughs> drunk. And it's not. And right, they right, had right, not right. seen it before, so they were trying to get ahead of like what the next sin will be and how oh, that will be yeah. conveyed. Oh, and I'm, oh, like, yeah. I just had to go up to them at the end. I'm like, that is this is just disrespect. I try to be as respectful as possible yeah. of being like, this is cinema, guys. Yeah. Like, you yeah. cannot do this when Seven is being produced. Doesn't, doesn't like sound like they, were, they would yeah. be the receptive kind. No, they were not. Yeah. They were actually really shell shocked that somebody yeah. said something. I think wow. partly because they were so wasted that they didn't know what was going on. But right. uh, yeah. I, my mission was if you come back, I actually said this. I'm like, if you guys come back, please respect 
the the tenor of the audience. So, yes. Yeah. And I felt like a jerk in retrospect. I have to clarify. <laughs> I love you for doing this. I love I, it. I, I was like, I'm going to stand on my soapbox this one time. You I, I appreciate that you waited until the end of the movie. Well, I didn't want to be the guy to talk exa- through the movie also. Exactly. Because I want to tell you to shut up. Yeah. 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 Exactly. One time we were at the uh, Director's Guild of America uh, screening nice. of Gone Girl. And um, somebody in the, it was like the final five minutes of that movie, another Fincher movie, mm-hmm. um, final five minutes of that movie, somebody in the back of the audience, a giant, how many seats is in that theater? Uh, maybe like 500, 500 full, yeah. 500 people in the audience. Wow, wow. And somebody at the very end of the movie goes, turn off your fucking phone. <laughs> and, and it was like, and it was like him screaming that was worse yeah. than the offense of yeah, having the totally. phone on. It's like, you should definitely like tell them, turn off your phone at the end of the movie. Like that was disrespectful, but right. like you also like kind of ruined the movie for everybody else. <laughs> oh, no, and obviously it people on his mind, the big build up the whole yeah, time. He, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to say something. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. Turn off your fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. It was me. Yeah. English accent. I am guilty as charged. I will say, yeah. if it, me that I'll turn and say, yeah. Yeah. please stop or please, you know, yeah. do, you, do you mind? Yeah. 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 My yeah. missus goes nuts. She'll literally go, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> she starts I it love that. That's just me. Watching a soap opera. She's yes. very high. Because I'm going, that wouldn't happen. That's not real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how was your experience in uh, Popcorn Frights is the first time being screened it, ever? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, we are pessimists by heart. We always go into situations expecting the worst and usually it delivers. Um, but this, <laughs> was the opposite it actually was a really beautiful festival first and foremost mm-hmm. the festival organizers Mark and Eagle, Igor yeah. incredible just gentlemen that really love cinema not just horror cinema but every type of cinema but it's great to rally behind genre filmmaking yeah. so we felt first and foremost very welcomed and really hope other filmmakers get the same experience we had done I'll back up a bit we had actually done test screenings of our film in front of like recruited audiences what maybe two three times I think Uh, okay okay. and that's when the film is in shambles where you don't have Mm, sound design which so much of our film we concentrate on sound design and you have Um, producers forcing in like a edit of a scene like in this case the ending that we knew didn't work we were like this mm. is terrible this isn't gonna play and we're just like <laughs> sitting there waiting for it to bomb and of course it bombs and just like so and we had never really screened the completed film for a proper audience and so it's it's similar to probably your experience where you're going in blind mm-hmm. and you have no idea you know horror fans are very specific about what they like and yep. what they don't like and mm-hmm. if they don't like it you're you're up you know shit creek like nobody's gonna respond to it just out of pity so um, true so we were on pins and needles the whole time I know I was like I, I have this thing that only happens when I watch my own movies in front of an audience I can't uncontrollably shake yes I get the shakes <laughs> mm. and mm. my wife always feels it which ruins her moving going experience so like we're just sitting in the back just being like when is this gonna be over I hope we get pity applause at least <laughs> and um, I have to we'll say like it. that that screening <laughs> experience was probably akin to when we first screened Quiet Place for the first time in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest opening night, not knowing if that movie was going to actually work or well, not. Yeah, so I it was mean, the that, same experience. That, that, the Quiet Place screening was just as terrifying but, because, yeah, go would ahead. You, sorry, would you have seen that? Though, that yeah, point? we had. So, we, yeah, so for A Quiet Place, we had... Um, we had seen a few rough cuts, and mm. the most recent cut that we had seen before it premiered was it had really rough music. Most uh, of the okay. score wasn't yeah. in yet. Shit. The sound mixing wasn't done. The VFX weren't done. Like you had yeah. like John Krasinski running around in a green screen because he played the the alien in yeah. some of the scenes. Um, and <laughs> so was, yeah, so yeah. distracting. That would so, take you out. Yeah, yeah. 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 certainly distracting. And and um, you know the the ending like. 
there were no like ending credits so like the movie i guess spoiler alert for if, if you haven't seen a quiet place but it kind of builds up to that shotgun moment mm-hmm. and then cut to black and we had written um a slightly different ending it had a bit more of a traditional denouement with the the characters and the family in it and it was kind of supposed to crescendo on this more like sweet familial note and that wasn't there and that was the first time we realized like that wasn't going to be there and we we're just like is this movie over like we, we there was no so cue for like yeah, the movie's yeah, over and so yeah, we're just sitting there like i don't know if this movie will work like john it was so obvious that john did such a beautiful job directing the movie sure. but like as writers we were just like i don't know if it, like this the concept comes through or the story we just didn't know and they didn't finish that movie um until like I think it was 12 hours before it premiered at South by Southwest. No. Um, they were doing the sound mix up to the final moment because the post schedule was so truncated. I think they only had like four, four and a half months to finish post because they decided we're going to premiere a month early at South by Southwest. So right. the, the paint uh, on the painting was still wet. Yeah. And everybody in the, uh, in the green room before the screening, like the producers and all the actors were there and they're going around just hyping themselves up for the screening. And we were talking to one of the producers and he's like, oh, it's just, it's going to play so great. Like we've got a great audience. It's going to go well. And he had beads of sweat <laughs> dripping down his face. So you could see through the bullshit. And that's what we were feeling inside brian and i were being very honest about mm. it to everybody in our close circle um and so watching that movie was pins and needles the entire time like trying yeah. to gauge the creaks of the seats if audience members are actually into it or not and you know, like, <laughs> by the way i remember after the movie ended and um we were walking out of the theater the first reaction we had to a quiet place ever was um a family member who we were like what'd you think and they were like yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And we're just like, right. Jesus. Like, like, yeah. like, oh, no. So, it, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think if we've learned anything, it's um, try to just enjoy the ex- the pure experience of getting to make something mm. and let alone get eyeballs on it, whether it it does great or whether it doesn't. Like, at least you get to make something. And that's mm. something rare that not everybody really gets the chance to. So, we try to appreciate that part of the process probably more so than just, like, putting it in front of an audience so. isn't it weird that Great you advice. spend all that time you know we, we all did you you dream you're desperate to make films and yeah. you make the films but then yeah. ultimately because then as you make the film you're like god when we sit and watch this with an audience it's going to be amazing but then yeah. ultimately yeah, yeah. you destroy that moment yes. yourself yeah. you know, you yeah. and that moment is horrible the, wor- the, the worst stuff I've done is sit and watch my films with an audience mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. and then I watch true. it the other thing is I watch it with you know filmmaker friends and then I end up there just give me your opinion be brutally honest mm. so we chat and then as they're telling me no no I kind of like yeah, I, really, I like stuff you know they, and they do give me the honest opinion I'm like bullshit you know yeah. you're looking yeah. at me you yeah. know, and then yeah. I just I just you know whatever someone tells you if they say it's amazing you're like no it wasn't you don't believe or, them yeah. Yeah. don't believe them yeah. if they if they you know, if they do give you an honest they say yeah it's alright it's solid yeah. and you go, no no it's really shit wasn't it it's, shit. <laughs> it's always 50% yeah. shit to what they're saying right yeah yeah. I, I, I feel like I apply that filter I started applying that filter to everything in my life which mm. is dangerous it's <laughs> like, oh, like literally like every like <laughs> like you start to like get this like negative world view that like nobody's being honest and everything sucks yes, and yeah, everything yeah. could be better and just like little things like you get sick like, you start to get sick you're like nah, I have cancer I, like clearly I'm gonna die <laughs> yeah. next oh. week like you just like your head goes to these dark places as a filmmaker yeah. because it's a tough business and it's tough to like put your emotions 
into something and then put it on display for other people to judge and knock so down. So now you sweat over that chicken pie you right. made. You're <laughs> like, <laughs> you went, oh, God, it was awful. It's awful. <laughs> Everything's awful. Yeah. Well, it, it comes to mind, um, I don't know if you've seen, you've seen the movie Magnolia, Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson. Like, have you, have you watched the making of yes, that Yes, one of the okay. best making yeah. of. So like, yeah. there's that the moment towards the end, they do the premiere in um, Westwood, Los Angeles, yeah. and P.T. Anderson's in the limo, and he's wrestling with something in his head and he tries to explain what it is and he's like the film is no longer mine basically saying the film is now for everybody to to have their own interpretation Mm. of what it is they have their own opinion of whether it's good or whether it's not or whether it's too long which is something that he was really wrestling with and that's something that I try now to not beat myself up psychologically where I I log on online to like look at reviews or see what the Rotten Tomatoes score is Mm. I'm like it's out of my hands once it's being made and and all that we can, like Brian and I can concentrate on is doing our best until we finally get that film pried out of our hands. Because if we had our way, we would never finish it. Yeah. And we would never be out there for somebody to judge. Yes. Yeah, so, you're so yeah. right. It, for me, I sat at the back of the cinema uh, pop conference for the dare. Yeah. I, I, I purposely wanted to go to the back so I could feel what the yeah. audience yes. was yeah. feeling. Yeah. 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 But I just, same as you, I was just shitting yeah. myself. I just yeah. sat and my, my fingers <laughs> clamp up. I have yes. this weird, it was worse in front of the execs, to be honest. I literally, <laughs> really? I was like, I can't feel my hands anymore. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pick up this drink to drink it, you know, when it's like it's going to fall. And, yeah. It was this out of body experience. It's not your film anymore, and you can't. There's nothing I can do with right. apart mm-hmm. from go. Can we stop this, please? <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I right. wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. we've just come out of this screening, the world premiere of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, yes, yes. which yeah. was literally at Fright Fest now. And yes. you boys wonderfully came to watch the film, uh, and you said to me as we came in what you thought, but. I'd stopped yes. you because I wanted to get it on the podcast. <laughs> because for me, watching it as the producer, I was because I've been through so mm. many iterations. It was Staten's film; it's more his film yeah. than mine. Yeah. So therefore, I'm seeing it from a different angle, and I could right. enjoy it because I know it's a great film right. from yes. my perspective. Yeah. But I know he was sitting there shitting himself because yes. I was sat next to him watching him go. <laughs> what did you guys think? He'll love this. I, I absolutely loved it because it's a beautiful film that incredibly acted and the tone of that movie is so perfectly executed because that is the tone where it's somewhat of a satire like it's kind of this this really black comedy those are hard to execute i would say they're probably the hardest genre in film to execute and there's two things that come to mind one it's really fucking well done two in the q a I heard there was what two and a half weeks that you had to shoot the two film. Weeks. Two, weeks. two weeks. That's insane. With one we or two takes, that. I don't even understand how that is achievable because the tone of the movie works so well. But to get that in a window of like one or two takes, I mean, that's masterful control on all fronts, the, mm. the directing and the producing to actually assemble the production. So, I, I mean, I'll let Brian, sh- you know, share his opinion, but I also want to dig beneath the surface and find out how you guys pulled this off in two weeks. Yeah. I don't understand. It, it was so great and and the audience clearly loved it they had a blast yeah, with it and it yeah. was infectious and it was so fun to watch and i want to hear how you guys made it too i, I don't i don't how i can't comprehend two weeks is insane it, it was insane and i'm gonna do a podcast with staten and poppy coming yeah. up to talk yeah. about it um it was insane it was one of these things where you just have to get on with it you have no choice right. a lot of prepping a lot of planning yeah. into, and it's a road movie as well so you're traveling yeah. around it's not like it's shot in one room where you could you know get away with it it was insane there's no question about it yeah. it was like what we knew we were getting good stuff, yeah. but we just didn't know we'd get it as well as it has. It's been picked up by Arrow. We're getting great yeah. reviews. It's it's yeah. incredible. So I'll do the full podcast of that, and I'll tell you and okay. Okay. Uh, go into yeah. it in detail. But you have to listen to the podcast. Well, yeah. 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 Fans of the podcast, so we yeah. are more than happy. Which is to amazing to, to hear, anyway. So yeah, it was. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. you just have to get on with it. You yeah. just you have nothing. You what will be will be and the shots will be will be. Mm-hmm. And Staten is so controlling in terms of what he wants. Mm-hmm. He knows what shots he wants. So therefore he goes, right. Well, I want that. So get that, get that, get that. Just having a good team around you, I think, is the film definitely had a feeling of control and it, it felt like every kind of edit and piece of the puzzle was there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it was it was so special. And it, so as a producer, do you feel like you have more objectivity over something like that? Because when you make something for us like we, we feel like we're always lost in the fog of war like we don't really know what like we have a vision but we don't know if we're hitting close to the mark or not we're just kind of wandering around how do you around. guys work in terms of making the film who mm-hmm. sort of two directors yeah. as it were yeah, I mean, yeah how do you divvy this is the old question for any time you have a two director yeah, how do you divvy that up it's, it's not that interesting of an answer to be honest because we've <laughs> it is we, for us yeah <laughs> we, so Brian and I our, our quick backstory is we've known each other since we were 11 years old and yeah. so we're what 34 now so we've been working together for 23 years ostensibly um, granted the early years you know we're with our action figures and stop motion movies but um we we just grew up doing the same jobs together. So it's not like we divide and conquer. Um, we're always talking to the actors simultaneously and like in a in a group. Um, we're both planning the shots ahead by meticulously storyboarding. Um, we're always hands on on like the edit or have a lot of opinions um, about sound design. And so we just love every facet of filmmaking. So there's not really one of us that has a greater strength that I don't think we would recognize. It really is just, um, if anything, um, we consider it a healthy competition of ideas where we challenge each other to push each other further. And that extends from the writing process where like I'll write a version of a scene, send it to Brian, he makes it even better and then sends it back and so on and so forth. But um, I think even in the storyboarding process, usually 99% of the time we're on the same page. We independently storyboard, come together. Usually it's the same, but then Brian might have an idea that is way more provocative than anything I was thinking. So The other cool thing about having a, a writing directing partner is going back to what I was asking about producing. Like it, There is a bit more objectivity in the sense mm-hmm. that it feels like, like when I look at page that Scott and I both wrote it almost feels like Scott wrote them so I can be a little bit harsher I can be a little bit you know I'm not quite as precious Uh, because it's once it's just once removed from what's in my you know gut or heart or whatever and so just having that objectivity helps us kind of pressure test everything a little bit more see that's really interesting I guess because I write with other Mm. people I love to write with other people I find it very lonely on my own and I get lost and I can't look at my work it's it's, it's tough for me I know writers love to write that way but I don't I prefer writing with people because I can bounce ideas off each other and I can go you write that scene I write this scene if you get stuck on a scene Mm -hmm. you just go I can't get out of this and they go give me two minutes suddenly you're out the door and then you can carry on you know and I think it's vital you wrote The Dare with with Johnny I did yeah so was that process where you would hand off scenes and each person would tackle a different scene then? Yeah, or? exactly. Oh, wow. We t- not to get together or in the same room? or we No, because he, he lives up north. So yeah. we literally okay. was on Skype most of the time. We'd just oh, wow. be, okay. we'd, we, and there's a wonderful new function on Final Draft where if someone writes a bit, mm-hmm. their bit w- writes for you so you can own someone else's oh, okay. screen. So cool. therefore, you can see what they're writing as you go. And you go, no, no, change it to that. Uh, give me a minute, swap back, and then you write a bit. Nice. Okay. So we work like that. And Johnny's such a fast writer that he'll write, he'll yeah. just write out like four scenes within seconds and wow. send them to me and I go cool re- rewrite them yeah. and we just did it vice versa like that right. it was yeah. amazing to do yeah. how let's jump into to the, the writing process we jumped up to the start the let's start. jump to the it's, very start because yeah. obviously yeah. you two Iowa. were friends for 
for mm -hmm. you know you started to try to make how did it yeah. actually happen where you went this is serious and we can do this as a actual yeah. business we got well. serious <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got serious about filmmaking when we were like probably eighth graders like serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. like for me for it, english like, people was, how old yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like um 14 i think yeah for 13 yeah. or 14 so you took it seriously then we going, did, we yeah. did wow. because it was the year of 1999 in which right, like yeah. for us Dr magnolia yeah, 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 yeah. the sixth sense yeah. Ma matrix um so many so many the insider you could go on and on so many brilliant movies and um we just started at that age like making these no budget feature films yeah. <laughs> the one cool thing that we did get exposed to was we took world cinema courses so while we weren't taking like hands-on practical filmmaking courses it was more like hey hey, here's a French film class. And then all of a sudden we were introduced to the films of Jacques Tati that we adore to this day and actually was a huge influence for A Quiet Place yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. Taiwanese films. and Right, like Ho Chao Shen and yeah. Zheng Mo and like all these amazing Asian films and like just studying. I mean, we would have been studying that stuff anyways, but it was cool to like go into a theater with a professor and hear mm. their thoughts and, and unpack the, you know, symbology and theme and, and, and take it a little bit more seriously than we were maybe on our own. Do you think that helped you become better filmmakers in any way of yeah. course 100% yeah, yeah. because um, you know I, I had watched maybe like the 400 blows when I was in high school but then I was like oh Truffaut made you know like 24 other movies and all of a sudden getting the appetite to just watch those versus just what like America was making felt like an enriching it enriched the filmmaking so much more even though like maybe the films that are on our filmography are seem very just horror centric like mm. the stuff that we love is usually all across the gamut mm. so, yeah. that's, that's often the way isn't it it's yeah. always you know the yeah. way i think you whatever you love mm -hmm. so isn't necessarily what you make it yes yeah, it yeah. Comes out in a weird sideways you know. yeah so what was the first thing that you wrote together that you went okay we can let's go try and make this mm -hmm. was it boogeyman or was it <laughs> no I, I mean i think anniversary or coast yeah. might be the one that comes to mind which okay. the, the quick backstory of this is when we were in college like maybe sophomore year uh we had a um basically this competition that was sponsored by MTV networks that we were finalists in and the grand prize was you get a development deal with MTV films and we um we actually placed in it the first year but lost but that drove us to like let's just make a movie like who cares if we lost let's write a hollywood script and it was this script that was this weird, uh, we, we pitched it as like Alexander Payne Sideways meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is- Didn't uh, deliver on Did not deliver on either. Yeah. either. Uh, yeah. But it got my interest. <laughs> yes. It was like this weird uh, character piece that folded into like this this violent drama, but it, um, it didn't work. It did not work, but we toiled away on that script for maybe like two years thinking, we're gonna make this like our big directorial debut. But mm. it was a quick lesson in, um, kind of like studio development on our own we would get like feedback on the script and rewrite it 10 times over it's also amazing how um you know you you coast on the enthusiasm of this is going to be the next big thing this is going to make our yeah. careers we're going to yep. get representation and this movie is going to get made and and how often that never pans out yeah we've written we wrote at least 30 screenplays before we got paid to write screenplays. 30? Um, at least, yeah. Wow. Because we had been doing it for so long and, and just failing but learning each time and, and hopefully getting better and better. But every each 30 of those scripts, we all thought, this is the one, and it yeah. never was. How, so come number 27, for example, how do you keep that 
enthusiasm. You know, at the end of that script, you oh, fucking submit this. It's gonna, they're going to say no anyway. <laughs> How did you keep that going? So there was there was a pocket of time. This would have been like 2008, 2009, where I think we jammed out like six feature length screenplays, some of which would have cost like $150 million to produce. And we were lucky enough through a connection to get in front of three talent agencies. It was um, CAA, ICM and Gersh. How did that happen? Sorry to that, jump in. Yeah, it, it happened was, through um, through an attorney friend of ours that mm. we knew through another Iowa connection. And it was just ten, like Emmy and stands. they had just wow. you know they had like seen our work and basically vouched for us. They were a just short like film these or something like exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Our demo reel and, and a writing sample, and they were like, "These guys are legitimate. Take a look at them." And so yeah. and so we got meetings at all of these these three major agencies, and we sat down with them over the course of a week. Flew out to LA, which very exciting. Hadn't been there before, and we take these meetings, and the agents tell you everything you've ever wanted to hear. They're just like, "You guys are going to be the next big thing, and it's going to happen so quickly, and you're so talented." And we're like, "Oh my gosh, we've made it!" (laughs) Twenty-seven scripts later, yeah, Yeah, we're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so exciting!" And then what was like two weeks later. One by one, they all passed on us. They all said, oh, we're not representing you. Fuck. And then it was like this like kind of memorable week for us because in the same week, we um, got rejected from like the Nickel Fellowship screenplay contest and we had <clears throat> this producer acquaintance of ours who we really ex- respected. He had read our script and the same week that we're getting all this rejection, he sends us an email and he's just like, I couldn't even get through like 20 pages of this no, new script, well, guys. Yeah. And we're just like, oh shit. Like, yeah. I, I think we just like failed Hollywood. And I, and I remember so, taking, uh, um, I remember taking a photo of my face on, I had the, it's like very, like that first like camera phone ever. It was like the, the, the pixel, the resolution of the picture is like a stamp. And I took a picture of my face and how sad I looked because I just wanted to like marinate in the total um, across the board rejection. Yeah. But circle back to your question though. Like we use this as an example because it was just facing failure after failure after failure. And there's obviously like two responses to that. You can give up Mm -hmm. or you can be like, no, that's just part of the job. Like you're Mm. going to hit your head against the wall. Otherwise everybody else would be, you know, making it in Hollywood if it were really easy. And, so we let ourselves like wallow in that failure for maybe like a week. And then we started talking like, all right, well that that's over because we need to make this our career. Mm. What do we write next just to push ahead? And what we went back to the, back to the drawing board was like writing something that we could produce ourselves. And one of the Mm. next things out the gate was like a 20 minute short film that we were like, we're going to go to Iowa, use all the resources, resources we have. Let's just, make this feel like it's the last film we'll ever make throw everything on screen it's not going to be two people talking in a room it's going to be a short film that has for us like big ambitions yep. and that was essentially the thing that started kind of the the the, the snowball rolling down the hill um, where we were able to sign with the manager and then we were able to start developing scripts that we could actually get in front of people in Hollywood so. but very quickly because um, how are you guys surviving Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we had day jobs. So, 
Scott did a lot of um, graphic design work. I was yeah. shooting, you know, w- wedding videos. I was doing um, like uh, safety videos for factories and various things. Okay. Any classics that we might have seen? Definitely <laughs> 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 not. No, no, nothing, nothing uh, hilarious. It was nothing to do with keys and not getting in a house and not getting <laughs> sat around. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to be in there. Yeah, I know. Shit. And there was even a point after we um, were professional filmmakers and screenwriters where we still had to get day jobs. Like I remember there was a period where Scott and I found ourselves with college degrees unable to get what would be considered a real job and we were working at a movie theater Mm -hmm. and um, which was amazing because you get to see free movies but it was also kind of depressing to have a college degree and be working for minimum wage and And screenwriting in the evening. You would see filmmakers actually come into the AMC like Brian served uh, the composer Hans Zimmer popcorn once and you're just like I idolize you but I'm on this side of the I was like, I was literally like, uh, "Are you Hans Zimmer?" And he was like, "Yes, it is, it is me." Yeah, no, totally, totally. I was like, "I'm such a big fan." He's like, "Cool, can I get my change there?" Yeah. Like, yes, one moment, sir. But isn't that interesting? Oh, oh, where I can, the, 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 I can sing all, all your scores. But isn't that interesting? Where we can be in that position one minute, and mm-hmm. how things can change, and how it's so important mm-hmm. to believe in yourself in some way, and not give up. And I mean, yeah. obviously, sometimes there is a point where you go yeah fuck this is hard mm. yeah but you have to have that drive and ambition because mm-hmm. look at you guys you like you said 27 mm-hmm. if not up to 30 screenplays mm-hmm. and nothing was moving forward yeah so now you've made your short and this is exciting so you suddenly mm-hmm. get a manager yeah. what, yeah, what changed well, about yeah, that? So, yeah what, yeah, what happened now? um i you know i think the only thing that changed was we just had this drive that we're just gonna put something out there we're gonna make something it's not just writing a script we're gonna make something and uh we were fortunate enough to have that film screen in the la shorts film festival yeah good one one of our producers who was somebody that we knew from like the midwest who was he was an assistant then he worked in development he just uh pinged all of his contacts that he had in hollywood that again they were like you know maybe lower on the totem pole at the time but they watched, they came to the screening, they saw the film, they were like, oh, we have a few recommendations for managers. And they weren't like, the, the one thing that we quickly learned when we were pursuing agents, we were like trying to pursue M. Night Shyamalan's agent. But it's like, Ooh, that yeah. agent doesn't need you. No, he, he doesn't need yeah, you. You need and, him. Yeah. He doesn't so, need you. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we quickly learned through that process, like you need to find the uh, agents or managers that are at your level where they may be just getting started. They may even be assistants at that point. But if they actually really believe in you, they're probably going to be better than the, the other agents that have been in the business for 20 years. Yeah, so, very yeah. true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So from there, and like say you're now producing stuff you've got stuff out there what happened next did you then go right we need to target one of the new scripts we've got new ideas or did you go back to the old scripts and send them out again what, what was your process totally. no yeah so we we developed a new idea as soon as we signed with our manager we developed a new idea that we had that we had pitched him and that he really responded to it was this um it was kind of in the wake of found footage found footage was like at the height of its popularity like so what year are we talking activity. this would have been 20. 20- 2010 2010 and so so we had this like weird idea for a movie that we we felt like uh, the bummer about found footage is like aesthetically it's so ugly it's inherently Mm -hmm. low budget so we were like is there a way like what if you know what would it be like if Stanley Kubrick directed a found footage movie what would that be and so we came up with this silly idea of shooting a movie from the point of view of a flashlight that this girl takes into a haunted forest oh wow it was a script called Nightlight and um, it got instantly got a lot of attention Mm. when our manager took that out and and we sold it um, really quickly to uh, Groundswell Productions which was uh, Michael London who 
he produced Sideways and a lot of amazing drama. Well, not that, a horror producer. Sure, but, but that's yeah. what you you know one of the inspirations. One of our yeah. inspirations. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it was such a, a beautiful marriage because we were like we want to make a horror movie, but we have these other kind of ambitions and interests, and and he helped us foster that. So we ended up making that film. We actually ended up writing it, directing it. Mm, yeah. Lionsgate picked it up for distribution. Amazing. They dumped it. I was gonna say you've nobody made it, saw it. Yeah, yeah. 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 They dumped no, it. It was like here's actually um, a, a small anecdote that kind of sums up the whole experience of that movie. Is it played on VOD, but also in select theaters. So there's one screen in Los Angeles, and it was right. AMC theaters at Universal Studios. Like it's actually a pretty cool theater. And we went there opening night with a bunch of friends. It was a great experience. And then to kind of cap off the whole journey of making this movie that had really low lows, couple high highs, but mostly low lows, we were mm. like, we're just going to go to the very last screening on the very last night that Nightlight is ever going to screen in movie theaters at AMC. And so Brian and I go there. Um, my wife goes there. Our producer, Darren, goes there. And we show up to buy a ticket. And we're like, <laughs> uh, we'd like one ticket for Nightlight at 9.15 p.m. And they're like, oh, um... We we don't we're not playing that anymore. The new Fast and Furious movie just opened up tonight. And we had to give the screen over, and so we didn't even get to like put a cap in that whole journey. And we were like, like that sums it up. Did you see any Fast and Furious? You you went went <laughs> no, we, we went to a, a bar nearby. And just, just sorrow. Yeah. Said, oh my god! Like, I don't even think that was legal for them to do that because I think they had a an ag- a four wall agreement, but it was just like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we actually we, we had good humor film. about that because. Because, again, going back to like the story of writing the scripts and hitting so much failure and being rejected, that is the process. And you have to be ready for the failure more so than the success because the success is really fleeting. And as many people say, like you rarely learn anything from success. It's really just the failures. Yeah. And so we really, really take that to heart at this point. So Yeah. Wow. So at that kiosk, you're like, oh, good. I'm going to learn from this. Yeah. <laughs> right at that yeah. moment. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning right now. Yeah. From you, you twat yeah. in the box. Thank I'm you, not sure like, exactly what yeah. the lesson was there other no. than like, yeah. just, just be prepared for anything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. After I smashed yeah. up the key, I realized I'd yeah. learn. And, and then ask for my change for the popcorn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's good that you're, you, I mean, it's a testament to your career now that yeah. you've made a feature film that can be a small, you, you, you've basically brisked over this whole experience in, in a small anecdote because like, that, you know. CJ's right because yeah. that whole experience for you must have been you're directing your first feature film mm, picked yeah. up by Lionsgate's in yeah. cinemas yeah. and yeah. yet you've sort of summed it up in a really sort of small mm. because The Dare is my debut feature yeah. and you, it's yeah. like all encompassing everything's about it and yeah. you're like yeah yeah it happened and it didn't work out yeah. isn't that fascinating <laughs> but isn't that interesting where yeah, you've sort of interesting. moved on you've sort of gone but at the yeah. time it but must at the time it's the biggest thing like uh, in fact I feel like every failure that we encountered at the time time like it felt like oh our career is over now and it just keeps happening again and again and i mean to a certain degree with haunt you know having screen at two festivals now but not being released to the general public we're bracing for that again because you never know again with the the first screening of quiet place in front of south by southwest Mm. we thought that was going to bomb we wrote that script in general because we thought we would never get to make another movie again so let's write a script that we could go off and produce on our friend's farm for fifty thousand dollars and just do the low budget version of that so like we always are preparing for plan b essentially so 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 interesting place started as a plan b how did that sort of Mm -hmm. begin yes and no i mean we wrote we wrote the big version of it but we wrote it it was it's a contained movie it's Mm. for actors on a farm what was it born out of what what sort of inspired you to start it it was born out of i want to say like 
there's equal parts like, wow, this could be the coolest thing ever and mixed with like, oh, this is just some random idea. We have no idea mm. if it's cool or not. So we wrote it. It was it was kind of inspired by a couple things. Our love of silent film. We, we, we always wanted to make a modern day silent film that yeah. was basically just pure cinema. It didn't require dialogue. It was more about the visuals. Um, we wanted to, you know, match that with our love of Alien and Jaws. Um, and it was also goes back to our college days of like taking nonverbal communication classes with our communications degree that yeah. seemed worthless at the time, but <laughs> yeah. we, we learned a lot about how much people say without saying anything. So, mm. so we, we wrote it as like 15 page proof of concept, like almost something that you could like turn into a short and it had all the major movements of the story in those 15 pages, which mm. is monsters outside if you make a noise they come kill you mm-hmm. it, and it all kind of crescendos and builds up to the father making a sacrifice for his family um so it had that kind of heartbeat emotion to it and then we put it in a drawer and we didn't share it with anyone we just put it in a drawer for like a year it just sat there and we were taking all these pitches and jobs and stuff that was just like work that we weren't passionate about we were actually a little bit depressed and really and was this, uh, sorry, yeah so, uh, yeah was this, was this around the time of Nightlight. Yeah, I was sort of not, yeah. not kind you know, of in the wake. Similar kind of time. Yeah, yeah I was kind yeah, of like in the wake of the release, I think is when, yeah, yeah. the release of Nightlight. Oh, and and quite the jaws. Yeah, you're back. So. Back. Yeah. So oh. it's kind of in the wake of like the release of Nightlight. And, and, we, and, and this script is just kind of sitting on a hard drive somewhere. And finally, for whatever reason, we're just like, let's just send it to our wives and see if they have an opinion on this project. Yeah. And immediately they both had the exact same reaction. They were like, drop everything you're working on and just focus on a quiet place. Like, this is a cool idea. It's really special. And we're like, Oh, is it like we, we almost weren't sure we didn't yeah. trust it. Mm. Um, and so it feels, I mean, I think a lot of reviews said this as well. It feels mm. a bit like, why hasn't this been done before? Surely it must have been done before. It's an idea, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you thought that at the time. You're thinking, this has been done, maybe, or... Yeah, I it's either... It's I don't know if it's so much that versus, um, will this movie... Will people like this? Because, yeah, like Brian was saying, we would um, kind of basically pitch the core idea of what we're working on next. And you could see, like, people's eyes just glass over. They weren't interested. <laughs> yeah, and they sure. thought that script would be really boring to read. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're self-conscious about it, but there was still a passion uh, within us that we were like, no, let's make this our next movie. And so that Mm. kind of overwrote any sort of self-conscious nature that we were feeling inside. And as soon as we finished the script, as soon as we had a script to show people, people got it instantly. But up until that point, people actively told us not to work on it they just thought it was kind of a silly gimmicky idea yeah. it sounds it sounds really? surprising people usually are a little surprised by that but mm. all i, I can say is know the film yeah exactly yeah. the benefit yeah. of having seen the film but yeah. if you're just hearing us it's mumbling all, through it, yeah. a pitch about like well there's this family on a farm and they have to be quiet and you know it's just like it doesn't sound yeah. that cool unless you and, and it, what so and um, so then you write it on spec and mm-hmm. then how do you at what point because it's Platinum Jeans isn't it yeah it's Platinum Dunes yeah Yeah. and they were um, there was one other company that read it first but they were underwater on a ton of productions by the way this is is an exclusive here I don't think anyone knows this yeah there was one other company that had read it Um, I I don't know if I need to say who it was but they were underwater on a bunch of projects so we were waiting for like a month for their response and they were like um, we need to move on at this point Our, our agent was like let's move on and so Platinum Dunes got it next and um, we sat down with them and what we liked was that they weren't just seeing it as a horror story, that it was very much a family story. It's a mm. movie about communication. It was a metaphor for broken communi- communication in the family. And, and we 
designed that, you know, very matter of fact, because we were like, if you took the monster out of this story, the family would still be dealing with the same issues and trying to communicate to each other. The other thing that we really responded about their take on it was it's kind of that Michael Bay, like this is this is a movie for the world and it's mm. for the theatrical market. Like it's like you, you want to put it inside it's a, a yeah. theater and have that communal experience, which was mm. so important to yeah. us. Um, and they really understood that, even though Michael Bay is the loudest filmmaker of all time. Yeah. Indeed, so it, was like, yeah. it was a little, it was a little weird. And they were also known for doing like horror remakes. So like, believe me, like we, like we were very skeptical, but they, they, they won us over. And, um, and it all just happened. Honestly, guys, it just happened so quickly, which never happens. They, they brought it right into Paramount. Paramount immediately recognized what they had and wanted to make it. Um, they bought it. We worked on it for several months. John. So you had your initial draft, and yeah. how many more yeah. drafts were you... A lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it took many drafts to get to the spec draft, but you, there was at least six, seven, eight, yeah. however many drafts after that as we were developing it with the studio. And then, of course, John gets the script. And John gets the script with us as directors. Right. So at that point, you're attached as... It sounds like an awkward conversation. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. It was actually, um, again, uh, like there's really hard decision points in life when you're mm. in the in the film industry and um this was one of them because yeah we essentially had the deal already you know signed to direct the film and such um and it fell into john's john's lap at a time when he basically just had a uh, a three-week-old baby mm-hmm. and i and I, we got the phone call um this this one night in i think like october november and um, it was our agent saying, like, look, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> like, the, the good news is John Krasinski read the script. He loved it. He passed it to Emily Blunt. She loved it. And at, at that oh, point, we didn't even know John and Emily were married. So we didn't know, like, why were they passing yeah, scripts back to each other. They live next door to each other. Just throw it across <laughs> the, yeah. the Hollywood. Extremely so, confused. They were sharing a bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, scandal. <laughs> so it, it fell into their laps when they already were facing, like, baby number two, parenthood, everything that the script is dealing with. But because of that, like, they were like, okay, here's here's the bad news. Like John embraced the script so much that he really wants to come on board as director, and so and so it's like it's basically like, do you guys want to tell John and Emily they can't make this movie, and it will, and it's like until Paramount as well, yeah, 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 Paramount. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. like or and and then you guys can make it, or do you want to? Embrace this journey, and we we literally took. We're like, we need a week to think about this. Of course, we you have do. no idea. It's your baby. We have no idea. It's our baby. It's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's like Emily Blunt was our not only our first choice, but like she did. She wasn't even on the list because we're like, we'll you never, get yeah. Yeah. never get her. Never get her. So suddenly, this this sort of, I suppose lower budget film mm-hmm. that you'd been directing is now becoming a, exactly a, a sort of. She's getting yeah. away Apex. from you. But yeah, so like our version would have been probably it would have been in the ten million dollar range, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was not con- it was not cast contingent. Paramount believed in the splashy idea, Perfect. so they, nobody was going. We need Ben Affleck, or else we can't. Like they and, weren't. And it's horror. Like you don't really need exactly. yeah. Yeah. the genre itself. The genre is the, the star. Name. Yeah. 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 So this is fantastic. Let's jump back a tiny bit to how you mm-hmm. actually wrote a quiet place together, yeah. because there's a lot of people out there going, "Well, there's not much dialogue." Mm-hmm. So as screenwriters, people are saying, well, all right, so what, did they write action? That's just what the questions right. I've been asked yeah. when I've been telling yeah. people you're coming on. <laughs> so how did you actually write it? <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, like the architecture of the script could not go forward until we figured out 
what is this movie really about? Like, it can't just be about you make a sound, you die, because that's a gimmick. Of course, And that only yeah. lasts for five pages. And so once we locked in, and it was very early, the idea of it being about a family that suffers a tragic loss and they can't communicate in the wake of that loss, the door's kind of unlocked. And, and as Brian mentioned, we did like that 15-page script kind of treatment of it. And we had all the major beats of like the pregnancy. All of a sudden, the pregnancy is what amps up all of the action for the rest of the film. You get to the to the end, and again, spoiler alert: there's the father's sacrifice, and that's kind of like the whole penultimate moment that becomes you know the hero's journey that hopefully is as beautiful as it is tragic. And as soon as we unlock those pieces, then it was about figuring out what's the meat on these bones like what's the um what's the set pieces and and we really dredged into our own upbringing in iowa where we would see all these farmscapes around the area and we were like oh there's a corn silo there there's been stories of people falling into corn silos Mm -hmm. drowning it's terrifying let's do a set piece based on that and and so kind of building everything piecemeal once we had the emotional story down and then the script itself was extremely unique because it's so visual and because there's hardly any dialogue we're like how do we how do we communicate on the page that this is going to be unlike anything you've seen before how do we communicate that it is essentially a silent film and so we took some really weird bold formatting swings in some of the early drafts especially the sale draft where we started putting like pictures into the into the script wow. so like okay. so like as an example of that like the, there's that scene in the movie with the monopoly board yeah, yeah and so in the script itself we had kind of photoshopped in a monopoly board into the script which serve two purposes one it's kind of visual and dynamic it helps the pages turn but we also like had um dry erase marker board uh notes on the monopoly board to suggest that they use it as a map and it kind of like helped teach the reader the geography of the the farm Mm. um some of the other things we did we'd like shrink um text on on the page and we'd sometimes we would put like one word on a single page full of white to emphasize a certain sound that would be really loud so we just did all kinds of um bizarre things did you consider at any point storyboarding the whole i know with with fury Mm. road he just there was almost no script yeah. Is that a consideration? Did you do that? Well, we put together we put together a a, a lookbook, kind of like a high end mm. lookbook, which yeah. we actually just mm. dropped on our Twitter uh, the other day because it's it's kind of interesting to look back at that versus the final film and, and look yeah. at the fun kind of weird discrepancies and where there's overlap. But um, we're very visual by nature just because that to us is movies. Like mo- yeah. movies are cinema. It's a a visual medium, and um, we're we're always thinking of that kind of stuff when we can. So did you send it again, like you said before, you'd pass it back to each other, you'd Mm -hmm. write a bit together, because I know you don't live in the same place at the moment, but were you when you were writing it, or were you still... Yeah, we were both in Los Angeles at that point, point, so very much the process was, um, and this is like every script, we get in the same room to really talk about the big overalls, and then like one of us will go off and and do like the first 10 or 15 pages, then pass it off. So that, I mean, that's kind of um, not unique to one given project, it's pretty much every project that we work on. On. You're passing it backwards and forwards, mm. and you're doing it that way. How long before you get a first draft done? Certainly, let's right. talk about a Quiet Place, for instance, or a Haunt, but Quiet Place because we're on there. Yeah. How well, long before a first draft between you and you? Quiet happy? Place when we finally like decided we're going to move forward with this. Like, granted, we had 
you know, 50 pages of notes. And we had just all these scraps from, you know, a decade of sitting on this idea. But we maybe took like four months for the first draft. And okay. probably two or three months after that was when the sale draft went out to, to Paramount. So. And, and that's quite quick, us, right? Yeah. It's for us, kind it, of quick yeah. in the sense that like we were working on other stuff simultaneously. And, and Haunt, our new project, like that, those two movies were written around the same time. And sometimes uh. we like to ping pong back and forth mm. between different ideas mm-hmm. just to... Stay fresh. If you get bored with an idea, it's kind of nice to take a break. Um, we don't like having too many things going on because then you start to lose mm. focus. Um, do, you, but do you bounce between... Because they're very different films mm-hmm. as well. So do you, will it be like a, a bit on Quiet Place? You hit a wall and then mm-hmm. you go to Haunt... Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And because there's two of us, sometimes it'll be like, Scott, this week is going to work on A Quiet Place oh, okay. and this week I'm going to work on nice. Haunt. Yeah. And then we'll swap pages yeah. the following week. I think that's a great way to do it because you keep fresh. I've got yeah. two or three at the moment that I'm bouncing back between them for a while because sometimes projects just stop for a bit. You yeah. get to a first draft and you go, cool, well, we'll come back to that. Yep. So then you work on something else for a bit and they go, God, I need to come back. But then you're fresh with fresh eyes. Totally. When you're working with someone else, it's yeah. constantly moving, yeah. which is really interesting. So maybe what you have three or four projects going at the same time-ish. Yeah, yeah, usually. yeah. now like th- this summer, we just started... Um, like like you putting on like a producing hat which yeah. is a whole different skill set mm. and to a certain degree like it's kind of fun to send somebody else off and in this instance um the things that we're producing are actually scripts and ideas that we originally had like four years ago oh. but then we didn't have the bandwidth to like move forward with them and so we've kind of found really talented collaborators to take the baton on that but then you just get to like sit back wait for the draft to come in and then you have more objectivity which is really a unique thing that we appreciate mm. being usually the writers that lose objectivity really quickly so that's really interesting because then you can see it as a, a an overall piece and they can't mm. see things because when you're writing it you're in it same yeah. as when you're directing it yes. you don't see the bigger picture you sort of just in that little moment or that scene that you really love or you've connected and they go oh you don't need that right you yeah. go oh yeah. shit yeah so, <laughs> I want to dig back into this big mm. moment which is you were directors of a quiet place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Do you let it go? Because again, a lot of filmmakers, I think, you know, would have been in that position yeah. or, or mm-hmm. whereby a lot of people just said, "No." I mean, it's the famous mm-hmm. Stallone Rocky thing, yeah. which is very, you yeah. know, totally. beautiful. But like, yeah. in yeah. the that's such a. <laughs> Uh, it's rare, a, very rare. Yeah. I mean, we thought about <coughs> so the Stallone yeah. situation. Did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we basically we spent a week, um, not only soul searching, but also calling a lot of mentors that mm. we had met over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael London was a mentor. I picked up the phone, called him. Different nice. producers at different levels, and just really tried to take the temperature of the situation and just really ask people's advice. Like, what mm-hmm. what would you do? What should we do? And you know, everyone had their own opinion, but it all started to kind of feel like the right way to go is to do right by the project yeah. and I try mean, to make the best version of the movie. Yeah, our our blind hope was that, um, you know, outside of John and Emily, everybody from the studio to even like the, the sound designers that were hired early in the process, if they all got the instinct of what that script was, hopefully it would sail in the right direction. And so yeah. it was a certain amount of blind faith, but it was blind faith in really talented collaborators that were already starting to come on board. So for us, we we felt like, you know, after that soul searching, 
if this all turns out well, then it will be good for everybody. Mm, so, yeah. and, and I mean, luckily we're on the other side of that and the movie did find an audience, but you know, throughout that process when the project shooting and even once we got into post-production started seeing edits, like it's a big unknown. And, 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 and yeah, you just don't know. And people do also have to realize like John, John Krasinski as a director had done two independent He'd done two films of the movies before. That yeah. You could argue didn't really land or didn't mm. quite hit mm-hmm. with people. And so, so that know, must who have, knows? that must've been a yeah. decision then as well, because yeah. it's not Clint Eastwood. Exactly. Right. You know, it's yeah. not even yeah. Ben Affleck, if you like. It's yep. going, well, it's John Krasinski, who's yep. amazing yep. Mm-hmm. and very talented. But at the same yeah. time, you're going, well, yeah, he had and his last films yeah. in land. So, yeah. his track record as well, to be f- yeah. you know, it's yeah. not yeah. the most. So you had to consider yeah. all that, totally. which yeah. is really interesting that you went, yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I think also because we knew, again, like, when you have somebody like Emily Blunt attached, Emily Blunt attached to your project, like yeah. it's hard to really turn yeah. that, turn that down. down. And also, we were like, okay, if this sails forward without us as directors, then we're just going to go off and write the next thing to direct. And and that thing that I'm talking about isn't even haunt. Like it's the next thing after that. And so right. we were hoping that the appetite for original stories and things that aren't based on anything else would open up if Quiet Place landed and therefore would at least offer us the opportunity to try and get the next thing made that we already had the germ of an idea. So it was like a little bit of strategy in there, but it was very like based on trying to be, you know, as artistically satisfied as possible. Which is amazing. And A Quiet Place did land and was absolutely (laughs) fucking huge. Obviously you didn't expect it to be that big. Um, What was what happened to you during that moment afterwards was it suddenly like the phone didn't stop fucking ringing everyone going I knew you guys would make it <laughs> what, what, tell us because we'd love to know what yeah. happened during that point I mean sure there was a certain degree of like that excitement of you get to go to South by Southwest and all of a sudden like the movie starts blowing up you know on Rotten Tomatoes and mm. then you get to go to the New York premiere and just like sit back and enjoy that but the honest truth, I wish I could just tell you some like wish fulfillment stories, but the honest <laughs> truth was we were also working on Haunt at the same time. And so we were going to these great events for this movie that is now being like embraced by audiences and critics alike. But then going back to the edit room on the weekdays and being like, oh, Haunt isn't working yet. Like, <laughs> and so it was this, it was the perfect summation of the film industry where there's the high highs and the low lows, where you're constantly, your emotions are tethered to whatever you're working on in the moment. And um, it just, yeah, it was difficult. It was a difficult period. But um, certainly in terms of doors opening, like it opened up many doors that otherwise wouldn't in terms of producers calling with, you know, franchises that they wanted new eyeballs on and, and really incredible things that a few years ago we might have been like, yes, of course, we're going to write that big franchise piece that was part of our childhood. Sure. But the irony of it all on like as soon as opening weekend with Quiet Place, when we saw how the movie was playing our instinct was to turn down pretty much any of those like crazy offers that were being put out there in wake of concentrating on our next like original idea, which is how a quiet place was born in the first because place. You have so. to understand like for, for us, just personally speaking, like, cause we, we enjoy, like we go to the, all the comic book movies, we see all the sequels, but our true passion mm. are, it was like growing up as a kid and seeing gremlins for the first time yeah. or seeing ET, E.T. Like, things that easy. didn't yeah. exist until a screenwriter and a filmmaker and a team team of artistic collaborators brought it to life. Mm -hmm. Like, that's our passion. And so even like something like A Quiet Place, which is getting sequelized now, like none of us ever saw it as that, including John. Like none of us ever saw it as a a franchise per se. It was fun for us to try to make a splash with Mm -hmm. something 
different. Yeah. Which is amazing. So let's jump us perfectly onto Haunt. Yeah. Do you want to give us the pitch and I will play the trailer? Yes, absolutely. So the basic pitch, very simple, uh, is is it's Halloween night. We follow this uh, woman named Harper and her friends. And Harper has kind of suffered um, this abusive past that is kind of she's wrestling with and it all comes to a head on Halloween night. She decides to basically get it off her shoulders for the for the time being, goes out with her friends for a night on Halloween. They end up in a haunted house attraction where as they get further in there, they discover all of the horrors that's happening there is 100% real and very deadly. This cannot be ignored. Want to see my face? And the trailers you can hear was absolutely amazing. The film is unbelievable. Uh, it's the opening night popcorn fights and. Honestly, I sat there with was I with Bart? I think I was with Bart. Johnny playing was delayed. He's got oh, it. He's yeah, not right. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's asked for a screener by the way. Yeah. So, Great. Um, it, it's just it blew me away. I literally oh, went, you. "Oh my god, I'm going to be in the same cinema as these guys, same festival as these guys. This is incredible." I loved the film. I mean, really thank loved you. it. I was like, "Thank you." For this is that. brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, how did you go about it again? Let's jump back mm. to the writing it and then the directing yeah. of this now, because now you're the well. At the time, you weren't the writers of a quiet place, I suppose, because you've, <laughs> you've just told us it was yeah. at the same time but yeah. now it's coming out you'll build as the writers of a yeah quiet which I, so I mean I, I we kind of wear a chip on our shoulder with that yeah. we, we we talk about this kind of is the genesis of, of writing the script but a quiet place was one of those movies that people love to say like oh there's an elevated horror genre yeah. or whatever and we're like <laughs> yeah. screw that like that, there's not and a quiet place wasn't written with those aspirations but people have compared it to like oh it's the elevated genre piece sure sure and for us, like Haunt is really like the down and dirty John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, like just mm. balls to the wall, roller coaster ride that is steeped in horror conventions. And so for us, writing that script was very much going back to our own childhood in Iowa, where the haunted houses we would go to were thrown up in these abandoned factories where people would just move in for the month of October, wow. throw a bunch of like stuff around, but mm -hmm. it'd be very sparse and it would be more about the darkness and your imagination of what would play when you're going down these like old rusty brick corridors. And so for us, that was kind of the 
early personal window into it. And then from there, it was just about building the, the, the roller coaster ride of what are these set pieces going to be. So it, it was very much more a simplified version, I think, of what, what A Quiet Place was to a certain degree. And it was such a – writing that script was such a surreal thing because we, we finished it. A Quiet Place doesn't exist really. It's not like – it's like we know it's getting made, but the industry doesn't know what it is. Or, or And you it, don't or, know what's going to happen with it. We don't know what's going to happen yeah. with it. Yeah. And so we finished Hot, and our producers – basically, it's finance. It's ready to go for a very, very tiny budget, and we get a phone call that – Eli Roth read the script and wants to come aboard and be a producer. And wow. that was, um, that was such, it was like a, we keep saying like, it was a kind of like a bucket list moment that we never would have thought to put on a bucket list. But like Eli Roth is <laughs> so like, true, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like so random, but like Eli Roth is somebody who's, whether you like his films, like however you feel about his films, like he is an amazing ambassador for the horror genre. Yeah. And anytime, you know, you listen to him talk about movies, it is infectious. It gets you excited. Mm-hmm. It gets you inspired. And we've always loved, you know, listening to all of his, like, he doesn't have like one commentary on his DVDs. He has four or five yeah. commentaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like, we love listening to that. It was like a film school. And so to get to get the call from the maestro How was unreal. How did he know? Uh, our producer Tar- Todd Garner was doing another Tog-gana. movie. Todd Garner, who has a podcast. podcast is in there. Todd Garner. Who is this guy? No, he's got a great podcast. Big, big producer. His yeah. podcast is amazing. It's called There's Something with Todd Garner. Producer's guy. Producer's yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, it's a terrific, yeah. it's a yeah. terrific, yeah. terrific podcast. podcast. And he's been in yeah. the business for years and years. And anyways, yeah. he was doing a different project with Eli that I actually think never got made. But he, um, Eli was talking about how he always wanted to do a haunted house movie. And Todd was just like, well, I've got the script for you because we we just got a draft in and was there a point where you were like and Eli wants to direct it or you like oh, that was literally our first instinct we were like, literally like hold on so no, you're again. saying Eli wants to direct yeah. this movie the director <laughs> Eli Roth yeah. Eli Roth okay, yeah, 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 John yeah. Krasinski wasn't yeah. known as a director Eli Roth yeah. is known as a director yes. shit yeah. thank you for pointing that out that's yeah. exactly no that yeah. did happen for like yeah maybe like half an hour we were really worried about that so, right yeah. but he wasn't he was like no I just want to no, come no, to I just wanted to support it and it was cool because we met him he was in the um, the first time we met him in person, uh, we met at this edit bay um, off of like Wilshire Boulevard, and he was in the process of editing Death Wish at the time. <laughs> As and, you do. Like we we met him, and he seemed just like all life had been drained out of him. But it's because he was in post production for his uh, movie. And, like, and post is yeah. draining as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's Bruce Willis. Bruce does that to and, people. Uh, so, but regardless, like he couldn't be more gracious and a better ambassador for for the genre, and also for younger filmmakers where. He really fought for us because he knows what the plight of being a filmmaker is and trying to deal with, you know, notes that seem to make no sense from certain executives or producers, but then trying to distill those into actionable items that you actually can do to improve the film. And I want to say, like, he set the bar for what a producer is, a director who is also a producer. Mm -hmm. Like, we want, we aspire to be able to produce like he does. And by that, I mean, like, He's the first person to respond to an email. He's the first person to pick up the phone and get, and talk with you. And nobody's more busy than Eli Roth. Like he's mm. directing studio movies, he's acting, he's pitching. Yeah. But he'll be he's that guy who like he's there for you. I love that. When we were floating in the sea in Miami, mm-hmm. you told me that, and I loved yeah. it. I was like, I want to produce that. That sounds amazing. Did you like the way I dropped that in? Yeah, just yeah. when we were floating there. In the sea. 
see. <laughs> By the way, I uh, that that's a privileged uh, situation there. I never go in the ocean. You never flip the I sea. Never, no. I don't. I don't go in the ocean. But that water was so gloriously warm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't avoid it. We could you, are you a trunks not? or a speedo? Are you, uh, you budgie? You know, definitely a trunk. Yeah, speedo. Budgie smuggler. I sunburn so easily. You know, I have blue eyes, red hair. It's just like uh, very easy sunburn. So I try to stay out of the sun at all costs. Cost, but yeah. it was, you know, we're in Miami. Why would we not go in the sea? Yeah. Why we're not going to see? <laughs> so you've now you've got Eli Roth producing mm-hmm. your movie. How then does it move forward? Obviously, at that point, is is, is it money yeah. done? It was Tell already it. moving forward at that point. I would say, like maybe on a slightly smaller scale than what it ended up being. But like Eli coming on board, then brought on uh, this um, Sierra Affinity was our our financier behind yeah. it, and I think they came on board right around that time. And um, it. It was one of those where we didn't know when it was going to move forward, but we kept being told it's going to move forward. It's going to move forward. Yeah, and we've heard that many times. You guys have heard that many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah the it's, usual. It's, yeah, of course. Way more than you ever thought you possibly you could. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the this one's moving. Of things it's... that were going to happen <laughs> yeah. versus the ones that actually happened. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we, we joke about it because there's um, in in a quiet place and in haunt. There's some like funny crossover scenes where like there's like 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 the most famous example is like they both have a nail scene, mm, and yes. we yeah. wrote them into the, each project in our heads, knowing neither of these movies will ever get made because sure. movies just fall apart. That's just what they do. They're yeah. gonna happen, and then they don't happen. And they um, essentially both got greenlit at the same time and both went into production like close to the same time and so all of a sudden we're like oh we're ripping each other off depending <laughs> on what comes first and we uh we unfortunately finished the edit um right before like halloween last year so we didn't get to make that release window so it was like now it's coming out but it's it's kind of funny in the wake of that um that we just were plagiarizing ourselves oh, that's so funny yeah. i love that i'm sure you asked a lot i need to at what point did you hear about bird box Obviously, you're way oh. ahead of Bird Box, but only because when it came yeah. out, it was like, it's ripping off a quiet place. Right. right. Which, which, yeah. which is unfair to Bird Box. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Sandra Bullock say, movie, yeah. by yes. the way, if you haven't seen it on both Netflix. amazing Brilliant. films, and both yeah. stand on their own. But yeah. it's just interesting, isn't it, that they must have, there's just a bizarre kind of... I don't, yeah, I don't know the timeline of it, other than I know, like, in terms of where we started writing A Quiet Place, like, in terms of all the core ideas, and yeah. then Bird Box, it's just something in the water. It's like yeah. the, the year of 1998 with uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. you got the well, year yeah. straight away. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> no, neither what you were, I mean, you must have been in production way ahead of... Yeah, I think Quiet Place sure. was, yeah, it came first, and, um, like, I, I f- always feel bad for anybody that has to like watch one of those movies in the context of the other there was this other movie called the silence that came mm-hmm. out after that yeah. that had like similar ideas and um i like we feel that pain because we've been in that similar situation more so like writing scripts where we're like oh we have this unique idea and then we just mm. don't finish it fast enough and then something else beats us to the yes, marketplace yeah, and it's yeah. it's traumatic so i feel for all the filmmakers well, and, our, our Lionsgate, it's a similar but different thing but our Lionsgate movie nightlight like we always felt like that just didn't come out fast enough for it to hit the right. wave it's timing is so crucial yeah. and yeah. we were the lucky benefactors on a quiet place to come out before those other films and we just kind of are bummed on their behalf 
that there that, that there is any comparison. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? But but how it can change like that? Like yeah. if they've waited yeah. a couple of months for release, you just never know, do you? Exactly. How yeah. how much it have hit? Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Haunt then in terms of mm-hmm. directing. Did you ever think that right? They're just going to not let me di- us to direct <laughs> this at any we, point. We hoped it was low stakes enough in terms of it's it's the horror genre where horror is the star. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a name cast. It's also we're shooting it for a responsible budget. You sure. know, so yeah. we felt like all those ideas coming together, which again we're the spirit of writing a quiet place like hopefully it would would be behoove the process um so for us it was just going back to like the basics of filmmaking where even though we have a little bit of money to shoot this movie with how do we make it as scary as possible and a lot mm. of that was working with um our great production designer this this um gentleman named austin gorg who was an art director on these beautiful movies the last few years like uh, Spike Jones's Her, Midnight mm. Special, La La Land, like these artistically amazing looking movies. Interestingly, they're not horrors. They're not horror. We tried, to, yeah. we tried to hire as many non-horror people for yeah. Haunt as possible because we felt like we know the genre intimately. Like we can take care of whatever the genre demands of the film, mm-hmm. but like we wanted to get outside weird ideas on on what they would like do. Like our editor, um, Terrell Gibson, he edited this movie we loved from 2013, The Kings of Summer, which just was like this character piece, and it wasn't anything close to horror genre, but we felt those extra perspectives would help offer something interesting to it. We didn't know exactly what it would lend to it, but we wanted to try the alchemy of everything. Mm. Um, but, but you know, the shoot itself, it's, uh, it's certainly... It was not like Quiet Place, where all of a sudden you have Paramount Pictures, you have like twenty big, some big million people. dollars. Like yeah. we uh, a week before production, we had three days cut off of our schedule, and all of a sudden, like when you have that many wow. days cut off, you're looking at substantial like character changes, totally. and script changes cut, that will affect things. the whole form mm. of it. And I felt like every single day of that shoot, because we lost three days, we were running a gauntlet where we had to shoot seven pages a day. We were muscling like 40 to 50 camera setups every single day just to get what we wanted. And even at the end of the day, we were like, we didn't get half of what we wanted. So it's um, it was certainly a, a uh, difficult process to say the least. And, and, and right. all, the, all the days that were cut, you just like you can't help it as a filmmaker. You just feel all the compromises. Of course you like do. All the stuff that yeah. doesn't work, you know why it doesn't work and you just hope that nobody else figures it out. Yeah. Do you ever split uh, and direct separate units? Because no. I never. I really yeah. never. I, I, yeah. I'd be, I've had like, on the last feature, like a, a, a mate would come and do second mm-hmm. unit but I'd still kind of be like, oh, I just wish you had my brain so I could just... I mean, sure. I think right. you guys, you almost have that. You know, you, you, yeah. you're so in tune. Yeah, so- we're... Um, it, a funny anecdote to that is we're part of um, the Directors Guild of America mm-hmm. and they don't typically like two directors because their whole mantra is one director, one vision. Cohen brothers, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't like right. it as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. So we, in order to even get um, into the the directors guild, we had to go before what we called the Jedi Council of like directors, and it was very last minute. So they cobbled together like three three filmmakers that vetted us, and they one of the questions they were like, if one of you is sick what do you do? And it's a leading question where they wow. they want the answer of like, well, well we're not going to go to work that day because we have to have both of us on set. My. But as much as that's the political answer, like that's also the truth because Brian and I thrive off of the conversations that we have, you know, behind the monitor after there's a take and we, we discuss what was working, what wasn't and having two sets of eyeballs on one um, one take at a time actually is really useful because Brian may catch something in the performance that I 
missed, but I caught something in the camera move that he missed. And then we can talk about it, do it again. And hopefully everything cinches together and the next take versus doing like two more takes and such. So interesting. Cause yeah. I know I'm, I'm sure the same CJ, when you're sitting watching the monitor or you're stood next to the actor, mm. whichever you prefer, you can miss things. You can really, can, yeah. you can, you're focusing so much on a performance yeah. that you might miss the camera move or the, right. you know, whatever it is, whereas yeah. you two can, can do that. That must be fascinating right it must be amazing yeah, yeah it doesn't it. stop us from doing 20 takes still though. Like we, <laughs> you, you get the luxury we, we yeah. two takes yeah. <laughs> one if we're lucky yeah. um who's yeah. more going to speak to the actors or do you take it in turns because one go voice together is, yeah. we go together. Yeah, together we have like this invisible umbilical cord avoid confusion otherwise yes, you don't exactly. want to give like, you know conflicting notes or very right. true that temptation it must be that temptation mm-hmm. where you know, you're shooting one scene, but they, you need to go and sign off the next set or the next. Right. Yeah. yeah. But again, do you always avoid. No, no, we go together. Or do you? Spin there up? are there yeah. are those occasions. There are those yeah. occasions where it's like, yeah, we just like one of us really needs to pop over to the next set just to figure sure. out what's going on, talk right. to somebody over there. It does happen, but to your point, you don't want to separate because it just creates confusion if, yeah, if one of us start, misses a piece of information yeah. or somebody told an actor one thing and you're not aware of it and then you talk to the actor and tell them the exact opposite. Oh, like, you, you want to avoid that. Totally. There's that great yeah. green light. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Your season. Is it? No, is it? Which At season two. Yeah, yeah. with and Kyle, Kyle and Ephraim. Yeah. And they're literally giving conflicting notes. Yeah. <laughs> that was best. educational for us. We were yeah. like, oh, I mean, that, don't do we that. We actually go back and watch that season before we direct anything. Just yeah. as like a slice of humble pie of like, let's not derail ourselves this way. I think it's from the best. How, it's, it, Project Greenlight is a fantastic ep series, yeah. by the way. If you've not seen it, go watch this. Wonderful. It's yeah. brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's amazing. Have you guys seen the documentary Overnight by any chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's uh, that's yeah. another. It's, a, it's, it's about the Troy Duffy who did Boondocks. Oh, yes, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah the It's an amazing Saints. rise of, you know, the, riding the tidal wave of how success and then exactly. He totally failed. It's horrible watching it, isn't it? Like, how are you doing that? It's kind of depressing as well that that much I'm doing the giving it some mouth yeah. but <laughs> the, that much sort of like bluster can get you that far yeah right. so I remember watching yeah. it thinking like oh I should be more like that but I don't no. want to be like that no. you know? so yeah, that's the, he had you know, so much gumption that's, and that's and a balls, good instinct because I feel like the, the more that we, we work in this industry there's way more people that are just polite and good human beings than mm. there are like the brash people that walk mm. in and are like my way or the highway. And over the years, I mean, you see it now with Harvey Weinstein, sure. you know, there's no room for somebody that has that despicable behavior. And yeah. so that's, that's one thing that Brian and I always appreciate when we find collaborators that are just good human beings, because mm. it, it's hard enough to make a movie, let alone with people that are just arrogant and jerks. Yeah. So. It's so right. It's so true. There's, 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 there's enough nice people in this business. You find yeah. them, you latch onto them, you keep making movies. Yeah. And those horrible people, they do get moved away eventually, especially yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I think it's people go, hang on, you can't talk to me like that. You can't do that. Yep. I think it's changing and it's really nice as yeah, well. It's absolutely. really good. Um, I had a great question and I forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so you two go, I imagine you go to the bathroom together then or something. It's like, right, okay, this is our <laughs> yeah. bathroom break. Honestly, it's like, <laughs> this was a great question. Yeah. Right. It, was a great, it, it was leading on to a great question yeah. I'll come to in a second, yeah. but I, I'd like this. Answer. No, 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 I mean honestly, <laughs> like we do occasionally. Like if Brian's like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, I'll walk with you too, because we use that to talk as our private time. Because yeah. otherwise, we're being <laughs> literally a private time. Did you just yeah. say that? I literally <laughs> just said that. Yeah, we're this is descended. I'm yes. so sorry for this question. <laughs> totally my fault. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't your finest question. <laughs> I've ever had to do it. 
I think it might be my best question. <laughs> you, I'll be honest. <laughs> but no, you're right. It's a perfect yeah. time to talk and, and yeah. move along because you can't. No, there's not too many other people yeah. going red or blue or right. this camera lens or Do this one. Do you ever one. have to duck out on your sets to get away from it all? Like when people are just, because it's, it's an yeah. onslaught. When you're a director, yeah. people are just constantly hammering you. God, and people don't realize no, how much you get, get hammered. I don't get, I know. Uh, toilet is the only time. And I remember yeah. on the dare, I went off to the toilet mm-hmm. and literally I'd have a runner been sent by the first AD to go Giles Giles <laughs> we need you on set I went I've just come for a piss yeah. <laughs> I won't be long yeah. right, I'm coming straight back I'm not going anywhere <laughs> this is my job now <laughs> but yeah so, um, but my question my segue and it's a terrible segue was um, how do you get the good horror <laughs> it's nothing to do with pissing at all yeah. I just was thought of the two questions at the same time but you're in haunt it's so many amazing horror moments there's so many brilliant sort of and I don't want to say jump scares but so many just clever things that you did mm-hmm. how did you plan them how did you do all those you know really intricate clever not tropes but wonderful mm-hmm. moments in that in haunt it's brilliant thank, thank you so much for saying that that it means a lot to us um just whatever what you know just old school classic style filmmaking we love hitchcock we love yeah. your set piece filmmakers it kind of really feels that way absolutely right. yeah. we love set pieces and we love to just kind of keep twisting them and seeing how kind of crazy in the writing process how crazy they can get but then Mm. in the in the filmmaking process just storyboarding like for us the camera were those guys who are just like why is the camera moving like is there a purpose for it and Mm. always trying to think like does it create suspense does it suggest emotion does it say something about the character does it reveal something is it beautiful aesthetically like these are all the things we're thinking of and just trying to apply that pressure to every set and I think from from the script writing process that extends to the directing um, like there's there's a scene I won't won't go into it since the movie hasn't come out yet but there's a scene where it's about um, the classic like haunted house put your arm through a hole and it's like guess the body part so you stick your arm in and you feel something and maybe it's a grape but it's supposed to feel like an eyeball or spaghetti and it's It's supposed to feel like brains yeah it's in the trailer and so writing that we tried to place ourselves in the audience where we're like as horror fans where does the scare land and once we figure out that we're like no we're going to extend it a little longer and then once we figure that out we extend it a little longer and trying to defy the expectations of what the genre has kind of taught us as horror fans um and that happens a few other times in the movie like there's this point again not not i won't go into too much detail but there's a point where one of our lead characters nathan is in a corridor and he's yelling out for help and nine times out of ten things will get scarier and scarier and scarier on the page when we were writing the script, we were like, ah, I don't want to just repeat the same beat of doing the scare beat. Mm. Let's go the complete opposite direction where the unexpected happens. And all of a sudden the story took a new life for the second half of the entire script. And so we kind of strayed away from the loose ideas of where we were going to go in the story and chase something entirely new that felt more inspired than what the, the other version might have been. Because that is so interesting. Because when you're writing the horror bit where someone's getting chased, mm-hmm. it's so hard not to write help or Derek (laughs) quick come with me it's really difficult to not write because that's what you do in sort of almost real life you know you probably go shit shit but then you write shit 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 but it's Mm -hmm. it's what you did was so clever is you kept taking it in different directions Mm -hmm. because it is it's so hard to to write those scenes yeah yeah It, it can be and I think like 
we wanted to make sure it still was scary, but we wanted to make sure that all the characters in the movie were also hopefully using intelligence. So it's not one of those movies where you're like, oh, why are you doing this? It's so freaking dumb. But that everybody's at least using their best intentions of how once, you know, shit hits a fan, how are they going to react to that? Yeah. Yeah. One of our, um, uh, uh, one of our, I was just going to add, one of our big inspirations for the movie was this film Green Room. Did you yeah, see yeah, yeah, Green yeah, Room? Yeah, yeah. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Sonia, so, so great how you just love these cast of characters and they get stuck in ostensibly what is a B-movie idea. Like you're mm. being stuck in this one location with a bunch of skinhead Nazis mm. that are going to murder you. Indeed. And so we just watched that movie over and over and over again, just trying to just pillage it honestly like because yeah. it was so brilliant so. but i think that's the that's the uh which you guys seem to do really well is it's i'm not fond of the term that sort of a movie b movie also mm-hmm. comes from a sure yeah thing, but yeah it is that b movie oops, that b movie idea which is executed in a way that you don't sense that sure you know so mm-hmm. yeah it's a high concept but doesn't sort of feel uh you're not aware of it whilst you're watching it. Right. But I guess yeah. it's going back to uh, A Quiet Place, that's kind of a like super high concept, but it's about executing in a way that doesn't feel trashy. Yeah, it's uh, like that actually reminded me like one of probably the highlight of our career for the rest of our life is um, Paul Thomas Anderson, we found out was a fan of Quiet Place and he wow. ended up hosting this like award season get together um, in Hollywood where he was basically celebrating the movie and he did this speech um, that was the centerpiece of the whole evening. And first and foremost, like Paul Thomas Anderson was an indirect inspiration for, or a direct inspiration for um, for Quiet Place because in 2007 we watched the first, we watched There Will Be Blood. The first six minutes of that movie yeah. are utter silence. Yeah. And, and we were like, yeah. we would love to do the first six minutes of There Will Be Blood, but for a whole movie where it's yeah. just pure visual storytelling. So that was like one of the kernels. And we wanted to do like the popcorn version of that. It's not mm. what the brilliance that Paul Thomas Anderson brings to the screen of that course. nobody else can come close to. Um, and so that night he started talking about the movie and he talked about it in that he compared it to a B movie, but in the, in the best way possible. And that warmed our hearts so much because we're like, yeah, we don't love the division of like a movies, B movies, C movies, yeah. but we also acknowledge that people put them in certain boxes. And for us, we just love movies that evoke some sort of response. And then to hear like, Paul Thomas Anderson, like director of the greatest movies ever made that I consider like if I put a label on it, it's like that's high art. Yeah, that that was blowing our minds that he still loved like just cinema that evoked a fun response on a Friday night. And yeah. So anyway, roundabout story. about that. Yeah. But no, that's so nice, isn't it? If someone yeah. your heroes to actually even yeah. mention one of your films is yeah. incredible. It's incredible. So when is a haunt? When is Haunt out? Uh, do you know? Yet yes. At the moment? So in the States, it's coming out um, September 13th. Yep. Here in the UK, the release date should be announced very, very soon. But it's, it's popping up around different European countries. I know like in Germany, I think it's coming out next month. It's, um, it's kind of traveling all across the world soon. Where so. can we follow it and keep track of it where it is playing and isn't playing? Yes. Um, so uh, first and foremost, our Twitter account, which is uh, Beck and Woods. And our Instagram account, Beck and Woods, like we always post on there. Um, outside of that, hashtag haunt movie is uh, what we're using to, to market it. So, yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time. This is 
been oh. so much fun and incredible. So, should we ask what about what's coming up next? What, yeah, what, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sure. if, yeah. So if we can, what are you doing next? What's yeah? So one of our next projects is we're adapting a Stephen King short story, The Boogeyman, which yeah. is Wicked. we're not really the kind of IP adaptation guys, and we're certainly not the guys to throw another Stephen King movie <laughs> into the marketplace. However. This short story we've been tracking for so long because it's our favorite thing that he's written. Um, it's kind of a precursor to it, and it's it's really cool. So and, and it's so short, it's like we're inventing a whole new story on top of it anyways. So we're doing that with Fox. Um, we have a project with Sam Raimi right now wow. that we can't talk about, but like so other cool. than to say he's the nicest person of all time oh, on top great. of being one of the great So you guys are in, you're in a time. dangerous place. You are meeting your heroes. Yeah. 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 Meeting our heroes but we're getting and, great stories out of them. Like that yeah. one too long to recount right now, but it involves um, him living in uh, California in Los Angeles in the 80s with the Coen brothers. Kathy Bates. Uh, who, who else was um, in that? No, it was a so wide many... array. Uh, Francis McDormand, of course. They all together yeah. in this house. They're all nobodies at the time. Just and, it, and strippers, yeah? yeah. 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 <laughs> like, did you know at the time that you were all going to become the biggest icons of cinema history? And he's like... No, I, I think we just kind of thought, you know, everyone's talented and, you know. It's the joke, just, though, that Sam acknowledged was that he's the only one that doesn't have an Oscar out of all the people he lived with back then. Visual effects is so you've got those going yeah, on and, yeah. then, and then we have a project um, right now that we're working on with Mahershala Ali which yeah. is so exciting yeah. um, that but we're writing are and you directing we're as well we're not directing no, Mark no. Munden uh, oh. from, from the UK is directing uh, one of our favorite directors um, of all time and um, and then we're writing the next uh, spec script like in the wake of A Quiet Place yep. um, we were talking a lot with different like studios about what we wanted to do next and we're like we don't want to say like we just want to go go back and incubate it the same way we did a quiet place and not not get too many voices in our head and try to write something that felt at least for us very pure so yeah. that's the next thing that we're going to be done with that probably in the next month and take that out that script out and um that's that's the next one for us to direct so oh that's super yeah. exciting are you doing quiet place too did you get involved in that yeah we're somewhat hands-off other than we i mean we know some exciting things about it that we're not allowed to say, but they're shooting it on, literally right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're 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 in it right now, and it and comes out as soon as uh, March of next year. So wow, it's another it's quick, quick production, turner, but yeah, yeah but and, it's coming together. Wow, and it's, it's yeah, it's 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 simultaneously exciting and also like. You know, fingers crossed. Like we don't know because like sequels are not. You know, again, it's not our yeah. bag necessarily. And you're directors. You're writer directors. You're not. Right. It's now somebody else's. True. Thing. Totally. Yeah. So I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Why give that your energy when you could be giving your own thing? Exactly. So we're happy to see it have like a, a continued life. But at the end of the day, for us, like after that opening weekend, quiet place, we're like the right lesson to learn from this is take chances on yourself. Mm. Again, you may fail, but roll the dice and as long as you're really believing in what you're putting forward like only hopefully only good things can really happen yeah so. presumably great. as well ultimately you've got everything you can out of that so doing a sequel mm. is just seems crazy to us yeah and we've never we've never i guess i should say never have made a decision based on money mm -hmm. it's just not yeah. interesting to us so that's it's a good moment. place to be yeah. right? what, I mean, a, what, that, a what a great uh, way to end the podcast yeah well. absolutely it's not true of course but no, <laughs> <laughs> none of us believe you hopping our portion then <laughs> yeah. 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 on your jet flying you back be, to yeah. LA if you still do that graphic design yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, you, might, you, you might, might get the money in you'll get the money in um, uh, so you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod you can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter CJ where can we follow you uh, at CJ's Direct 
there you go if you have liked this podcast please spread the word that's how we build and that's how we grow because we're doing this for fun because we love talking to wonderful guys like Scott and Brian so if you have enjoyed this pass it on tell your friends and if you're really feeling kind give us a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts why not do it and retweet us that's what we love retweet us and I'll give you a shout out next week yeah sound good mm-hmm. boys thank you so much for your time honestly yes, thank this you has this been has been such great. a pleasure we're going do this for pleasure. three more hours yeah, 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 it's it's dark. this room is getting it's getting darker, darker. <laughs> and we started it was like it's getting a bit dimly lit it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are going off to the theatre yes. and we're off yeah. to a fright fest party yep. of some sort I'm going to wallow in the success of um, just fright fest in general absolutely yeah well, and congratulations your again huge congrats thank you thank you yeah and you guys and to you guys yeah thank you one big guys we're just going to turn this off now we're just going to fuck on the bed so there is that (laughs) Um, so Haunt will be out very soon if you're in America go watch this movie I cannot recommend it highly enough honestly it's fucking brilliant Uh, if you like these kind of movies you will love this movie I haven't got a movie in Fright Fest but can I still fuck on the bed (laughs) no 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 Um, so yeah until next Tuesday when we will see you next Tuesday take care keep your dream alive and remember if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's your duty to send that elevator back down till next week take care bye bye I can't top that you can't you can't (laughs)